0: Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, the culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life,
1: then this is the show for you. Sicky is back. Uh, that's Quinn. Quinn, Quinn oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe that sounded weird. <laughs> um, actually, it did. So there's no going back from that now, though. Committed to having that sicky being the first word on this podcast episode. That's awesome. Uh, No, Quinn and I are back in the studio. Quinn, how are you feeling? I'm feeling much better. Much better. Mm -hmm. We are glad to hear it. Yep. Um, Yeah. And so we're picking up on our Gospel Talk series. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are looking into how does God's law apply to me or what about the law? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because there's a lot of questions around that old covenant, new covenant, that sort of thing. But Quinn, you told me that you got a question you wanted to ask before we get into that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the law today. So my thought was, what was your favorite like rule that your family had? So what was your least favorite rule that your That's family- That's a way easier had? question. Yeah, <laughs> that you were like, oh, I really don't want to do this. This is mine. This is actually still a rule today. I have a, a cookie eating problem. You do. This is well-known um, and documented. I've yeah.
1: got the data if anybody wants it.
0: Oh, man. I would have, the rule in my house is three cookies a day, max. Yeah. Because there was a while when I was having seven to eight cookies a day, constantly. Like I would have two before breakfast, bring two to school, two after school, then one, maybe two at dessert. Where did all of these cookies come from? Oh, my mom makes like a double batch. Like Your mom makes very good cookies. She does. Yeah. And so I did the math and it was like around 60 cookies a week. That's crazy. And I was like, hold up, that's 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 an
1: insane amount of cookies, man.
0: And sugar and everything. I was like, holy smokes. So my parents were like, Quinn, three cookies a day. And then I had a couple of cookies one day. My dad was like, how many cookies did you have? I said, three. He's like, the limit is two. I was like, (laughs) nope, the rule's three, dad. Sorry.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Cookies. Okay. Talking about rules, uh, you know, I think uh, you did very well thematically there. Um, we're talking about God's law today, uh, which I think can often be seen as like again, this is and again, this is I think the common theme with all of our gospel talk episodes is it's something that we say all the time, mm-hmm. and every you know like Christian or people who've grown up in the church, we like we know it, right? Like we know totally. the gospel, we know the kingdom of God, we know the law, we know the Great Commission. But there's so much misunderstanding around those things, right? Totally. And so uh, today, I think kind of our big goal is just like to foster a love for God's law, um, mm-hmm. to make to make people stop because I think people ignore it. Can I can I say that? I think I think, mm-hmm. I, and I've been guilty of that too. Right. I I will skip over Leviticus in yeah, the past, like w- like we just skip it. We don't care about it. We don't look at it because I I think that comes from a wrong understanding of something the New Testament talks about, right? Like Galatians says, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. John says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we take that to mean, oh, that means we don't need the law anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the Bible means at all. It's actually, it's, yeah. And we'll get into the fact that he's talking about covenants there, yeah. not the law itself. Uh, the the New Testament actually affirms, Jesus himself affirms that we need the law more than we ever thought we did, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we just want to get into that a little bit. So really, at the for anybody who's listening, the root of, of our conversation about the law is how do we follow Jesus better? How do we love Jesus better? And how do we live like Jesus better? And all of those things have to do with the law, Mm -hmm. right? And so if as a Christian, you don't care about those three things, I don't know what's going on in your head and your heart. With that, we want to just set out like, the law, when, and when we say the law, let's let's take it very basically. But um, let, let's say we're talking about Old Testament. Let, let's yep. just put that out there. And for the sake of things, we can basically make distinctions in the Old Testament between uh, ceremonial laws uh, that that would include uh, animal sacrifice and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We can talk about food laws, right? So um, you, you can't eat pork, uh, that sort of thing. And then we can talk about moral laws, shall not murder. So let, let's, let's focus our conversation today on the moral laws of the Old Testament, okay. which are best laid out in the 10 Commandments. Totally. Right? That's Exodus chapter 20. Really, what, when we're talking today about the law, we're gonna be talking a lot about that moral law, specifically the 10 Commandments. Got it. Right, Which Jesus summarized as, you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? He says, yeah, the whole law and, and pro, he's talking about the entire Old Testament. We're going to focus specifically on the Ten Commandments. But he says the entire Old Testament hangs on those two things, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, Ten Commandments, that's kind of our focus. So with that, you know, this law, Quinn, what can we understand, like it, when, like this definition sort of, but what can we understand about like the nature of the law? What actually is it? Do you want to tackle that just sure. because I know you've got some really clear points on that? Of course. Vlaw here. Let, let let's 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 tackle it like this. Here, let me open up. Just so you guys know, uh some some of the stuff we're going from today comes from RC Sproul's Great Book. Uh he he has got a book, uh, a, a series of books called Crucial Qu- Crucial Questions. And it's basically like very short hundred pages or less books on like the biggest questions you can ask about the bible so he's got one called how does god's law apply to me it's excellent we're going to pull in some of our stuff from that today and i just say that because i really recommend that um, everybody picks up a copy it would take you like a week or less to read even if you read very slowly because it's that short and it is just excellent right but the, the basic idea of like we can ask like, what is the law is it arbitrary? The reason we want to ask that, because like people get this wrong, even one of my profs uh, at the school I go to, uh, we, we were talking about God's law in class the other day, and the way he was talking about it was as if God just made this arbitrary list of rules, right? God just said, well, I want people to do this and this and this today, right? That That's just kind of what I want them to do. Mm. And like, The Bible and Christians for 2,000 years have not understood the law like that at all. Rather, and because some of that comes from the question of, does God, God, sorry, have to follow his own law, right? Like, is the law above God? Because if there's anything above God, that means that that's God, not God, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. If there's anything that makes God do something, that thing is God. Mm -hmm. So does that mean God has to follow his own law or can God break his law? but then would that mean God is lawless, right? So theologians used to wrestle with that question. And the answer that the Bible presents and that they came to is that it's, it's like this, is that God is a law unto himself, right? And that means okay. that God himself is the law. God has a perfectly good character, right? He's perfectly good. And so that means that everything he commands is also perfectly good. So he cannot command things that are less than perfectly good. Because that would be contradictory to who he is. Does that make sense? So -hmm. that means that everything that's in the law and everything that he commands is an extension and an expression of his perfect, good, just, loving person. Yeah. Right? So that means that the law, the Ten Commandments, aren't just these arbitrary rules. Mm -hmm. They're actually an expression of who God is, which is crazy. Yeah. So so that becomes important uh, in a few different ways, right? Primarily, we might look at the a lot of modern day wrestles um, with Christianity, which is that we think God is immoral, right? We look at the mm-hmm. Old Testament and the clearing out of the promised land for the Israelites. We're like, well, we don't like all the we call it genocide that happened there, right? We, we look at the Bible's stance on sexuality as regards the LGBTQ community, but also just like b- besides that, right? Like as far as sexuality within marriage, right? How sex should only happen in the context of marriage. Marriage is only between a man and a woman. We don't, yeah. a lot of people don't like these things. A lot of Christians don't like these things. And we say, well, I don't want to follow. I, I I was talking with a guy the other day. Um, we, we were talking about something Paul said. I don't need to bring up the specific issue, but he, we were talking about whether Paul actually meant that right because that's what christians interpret it he and he said this he says i don't care actually what paul said said, because i if god said that i can't follow a god who said that and that's and so this we take we take what we think is right and then we say god has to fit that right rather than recognizing that whatever god says must be perfectly good and so therefore if we think things that don't match up to that, right? If we're like, well, I'd like it better if marriage could be between a man and a man. And that's what right is. We have to recognize that if God is perfectly good and his law is an extension of that perfectly good character, that means that if we want things that are against that, we want things that aren't perfectly good, right? Totally. So th- so this speaks to the authority of God's law and how we can't just kind of toss it aside as an arbitrary thing, but we need to love it the way we love God himself, right? Like mm-hmm. I think all Christians would say, well, yeah, I love God, right? I mean, was, if, if we go to Psalm 119, it, the whole, it's the longest Psalm in the Bible mm-hmm. and it's all about the law of God and not the New Testament. It's all about the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Listen, I, I'll just read a little bit of it. And I just want to like, when was the last time you thought this about like Leviticus or Numbers? This is Psalm 119, starting in 97, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Therefore, I hate every false way. When was the last time you read the Ten Commandments? You're like, oh, that's sweeter than honey, man. Never. <laughs> right? Like, because that's not, we're not taught to love that. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we? Which then begs the question of, do we really love God? Mm-hmm. Or do we love the version of him that we've conjured up in our heads? That's divorced from what the Bible says about it. That's just something to think about. Then just, just one more thing that's important to think about in this discussion is, I'll, I'll throw I'll out throw a word and then we can talk about it. It's called antinomianism, okay? So anti okay. means against, nomianism comes in Latin, nomus, it means the law, right? So antinomianism okay. is against the law. Basically the type of Christianity that goes, well, I'm saved, I got Jesus, I'm, and I'm going to be saved now, so I don't need the law. And that can be in very overt ways like that, right? Like yeah. you, you often hear that say like, well, once saved, always saved, so I'm good right? So that's a very overt antinomianism. And then there's much more subtle kind of personal antinomianism where we're like, well, I prayed a prayer when I was sick, so I'm just kind of living, right? I'm not, I'm going to try to follow God's law, but you know, I'm good, right? Like I don't want to be legalistic, so I don't need to worry about following it, right? Those, I I think those are kind of the two (laughs) things we can see. And they're both antinomianism, they're both anti-biblical, right? Paul says, uh, shall we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means, exactly right? God forbid, absolutely not. Jesus said, if you love me, right? We, As Christians, we should all affirm we love Jesus. If you love yes. me, what? John 14, 15, I think, you will keep my commandments. Exactly. It's a sign of love, right? So as as we talk about the law, we need to understand that whether we are on that once saved, always saved, so I don't need to worry about it. There's that. Mm-hmm. Then there's also the well. I I have been saved, so I'm gonna do my best. But it's not a huge concern. We need to guard against that as well. And so we can talk about like I I know we're probably gonna want to talk about legalism, right? How do we avoid slipping into that? And we can talk about that. But I, I think to start off, I, I would like to just put out there that if there is no concern for God's law in our lives as believers. We are either spiritually like deforming, right? Like we're we're like falling apart a little bit mm-hmm. or we're just stagnant, right? Yeah, because a lack of because if the law is an expression of who God is, a lack of love and concern for God's law is a lack of love and concern for God's character, mm-hmm. which is actually the mark of an unbeliever, not a Christian. So if as Christians, we have that. That's a serious problem. Yeah. right? The law of God should be something that we love. Jesus said, well he said, my food, is to do the will of Him who sent me. Mm-hmm. It means that He needs that. That's what sustains Him. Could we say that? Could we say the Ten Commandments are our food? That's so what gets us through every day. I don't know mm-hmm. if I could, right? Yeah, I want I, exactly. I want to grow in that, right? So I, that that's just the challenge I put out there. What what are, what are your thoughts there? I I've found this, and even just as
0: we're chatting and have gone, yeah, over the past little while thinking about this, I think it's definitely been like, yeah, I guess how have I viewed the law in the past? And for me, it's just been a, oh, this is. The law like i i think for so long it's just been like the law equals the torah and i've just kind of not always looked at the torah a lot just been like oh whatever it's just these rules i don't need to follow them i'll just look at the funny ones right um but then as i was at bible school something that they said was the law the, the law wasn't to save you mm. Right, it wasn't a means of you do this, this, and this, and you receive immediate salvation. Right, right. It was actually like we've talked about in us in a way to draw you closer to God, which is a way that I'd never viewed the law before, mm. and it actually it made it a more clear picture for me, and right. it made me just be like, oh man, God created these laws so that also we could see that we can't follow every single one on our own. Right, right. We can't follow each. However many there are, call it yeah. Ten Commandments, but then also the Torah. We can't follow them all on our own, and that's also why we need God to help us as well and save us.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think I think you're getting into um, the purpose of the law there, which which yeah, which we want to talk about. So let's let's transition into that because people may say, well, how how am I supposed to love God's law? Right? Like like what does that mean? So I, with the three purposes of the law that the Bible teaches, with each one we start to see why we should love. God's law, right? And the mm-hmm. first one is exactly what you're hitting on. The law shows us that we need God, right? So mm-hmm. the the first purpose or function of the law is the law is a mirror. When when you have a bad zit, right? And and you and you look in the mirror, you're like, oh. Huh. I can see that now or when you remember in high school when like you kind of went through a day and you like thought, thought you were doing, you're like oh this is actually a good day I dressed nice finally today I acted pretty cool and then you get home and you're like there's a massive zit like on your nose and you're like oh shoot the things you worry about in high school and that matter to you it's funny but like that, that would happen sometimes right mm-hmm. like, that, like zits were the worst thing back oh, then yeah. but you didn't see that until mm-hmm. you looked in the mirror. It's so easy to deceive ourselves into thinking, we're fine and we're good enough." and then you start reading God's law, and exactly. you're like, "Oh, if this is the standard, because it's not your standard. It's, you, you, you can't judge yourself by your standard. It has to be God's standard. Mm-hmm. If this is the standard, thou shalt not lie. <laughs> you, shall not look, uh, you shall not commit adultery, which is looking at a woman lustfully. You shall not steal, which includes being lazy. Wow. Yeah. If this is the standard I'm being measured against on judgment day, I'm done. I've got no hope. Right. I can't do this. We can talk about the good news in that for us as Christians. Right. Which is we the way the law functions in the old covenant. We'd call that the covenant of works. Right. Which is if you keep every law in this book you will be saved. You will enter the land. You will stay in the land. The, the law was a means of that. You come to the covenant of grace, which is the covenant we as Christians enter into, just so um, everybody knows. Covenant is basically the way God relates to people, right? It's this promise of relationship that he enters into with people, yeah. right? So there's a covenant he had with people in the Old Testament times. There's a covenant that was enacted through Jesus and Jesus' death on, death on the cross. What mm-hmm. Jesus did is that Jesus kept God's law perfectly. He Mm -hmm. fulfilled the covenant of works that we never could, right? Which he could only do because he was human. That's why it was important that Jesus was truly human, right? Because only a human could do that. So he became truly human, fulfilled that covenant perfectly, died in that death, paid the price that we deserved for not keeping that covenant. And then when we believe in him through faith, his perfectness, that he kept, his fulfillment of the covenant of works is applied to us as if we had kept every single one of God's laws perfectly. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we can't keep his law perfectly is why we need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. the law as a mirror actually drives us to the gospel. Every time I read the 10 commandments and I think, and I meditate and I pray, I'm like, God, help me keep this better. Cause I fail. I'm like, Oh Jesus, thank you that you came and you died. It makes you realize how much you need Jesus. It's so yeah. easy to live our lives apart from Jesus. Right. Sunday morning is my Jesus time. The rest of my week is to live my normal life, right? I'm going to have a job. I'm going to have a husband or a wife. I'm going to have friends. I'm going to do my things. And I'm going to be a Christian the whole time. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But uh, Jesus, this is life, right? Jesus, Jesus is the next life. This is real life. Mm -hmm. And when you realize how much you need Jesus it becomes scary to try to divorce the rest of your life from him. So I'm like, I need you you everywhere all the time. Don't ever be away from me every breath Mm -hmm. that I'm in. So we can love the law because it acts as a mirror to show us our sinfulness and our need for our savior. It drives us to the gospel. And so I think we should spend more time reflecting on the law Mm -hmm. so that we can feel that need for intimacy with, right? What what do you think of it? You you, you kind of shared your own story discovering that. Do you have any more thoughts there? Yeah, I think we can, one, look at the
0: law, but I think we could also just take a look at our own sin as well. I think at
1: first you need to become aware of your sin. Yes, uh, because I'll just say, have you ever had that thing where you do something that you know is wrong, but then you make excuses for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Or you... You see somebody do something and you're like, oh, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And then a week later you do the same thing, but you've got a dozen reasons for why it was okay that you did it. Mm -hmm. So the 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 reason I want to interject there is just that I agree that we can just look at our own sinfulness, but I think the law, God's law, the 10 commandments helps us see that there aren't excuses. Right. There yes. isn't an excuse. It helps you see that no matter what kind of self justifying lies you might tell yourself, you actually by yourself would stand guilty before God. Without Jesus, you would stand guilty before God. Right. So, yeah. Right. And so, I think so often we can just
0: look at the law and be like, check it off. Like, I don't have any clear idol in my life. I, you know what? I honor my parents most of the time. Mm-hmm. I haven't killed anybody. And then we, we think we're fine in that. Area. Totally. Maybe you look at the Sermon on the Mount. Right. Where Jesus is like, maybe I haven't killed anybody, but I've had anger towards my brother or sister. Right. Right. It's like, oh, okay. I need to work on that. And then taking it face value and being like, oh my goodness. Like actually just kind of sitting with that. Mm. And in that sense, meditating on your sin because it's so
1: plain to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, law is a mirror. Okay. The next thing, the next thing. Uh, this, this is one that I hadn't really thought about very much, but it's this idea of the law as a restrainer, right? So I'm going to read. Uh, Sproul quotes a great theologian in his book, so I'm, I'm just going to read that because I think he puts it just really, really clearly. Uh, it's John Calvin. Uh, he says this: the second function of the law is this, at least by fear of punishment. "...to restrain certain men who are untouched by any care for what is just and right, unless compelled by hearing the dire threats in the law. But they are restrained not because their inner mind is stirred or affected, but because, being bridled, so to speak, they keep their hands from outward activity and hold inside the depravity that otherwise they would have wantonly have indulged." Consequently, they're neither better nor more righteous before God. Okay. Basically, he's saying, imagine in Canada, we, we've got a lot of laws in our country. Not everybody wants to keep those all the time, right? Like right. driving laws is a really easy example, like speed limit, right? Not everybody wants to keep that all the time. So we're like, you know, speed limits might seem a little superfluous to us sometimes, right? Because everybody drives above the speed limit, right? But imagine if there was no speed limit. Then what would people do? The fact that there is a speed limit does restrain some people from driving as fast as they might have otherwise. What a law can do sometimes is we go, oh, there's going to be a punishment for me if I do this. So it stops us from doing that, even though that's what we want to do. We, I mean, you see that and even in household rules. I want to sneak out and go to a party, but. If my parents catch me, I'm going to be in major trouble. So I'm not going to actually risk it. Mm -hmm. So Calvin's point is that as a, you know, that doesn't mean there's any saving righteousness in you, right? Because your heart wants to do it, right? And you're judged for your heart as well under God. But that's, it's a good what part of what God's law does for us. This is part of the idea of common grace, right? There's mm-hmm. special grace given to believers and there's common grace given to all people. Um, Jesus says in Matthew, the rain God makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust and the sun shine on the just and the unjust, right? That's common grace. God, That's a grace God gives to everybody because he causes those things to happen. So this function of the law is a function of common grace. God gives His law and He places it in our hearts right That's what we call a conscience, right? Everybody yeah. has a sense of wrong when they want to hurt somebody, hopefully sometimes you don't because you can oh you can you can overcome that with some work but which is sad sorry, which is sad which is very sad but but generally it functions as this common grace where it restrains people from doing things that would hurt them right So the function of the law as restrainer, makes us able to live in society with people who are unbelievers, right? It's not just Christians who have a sense of God's law. Unbelievers also have a sense of right and wrong. Sometimes that gets skewed, as we can talk about, but they've got, you know, in most countries everywhere, it's not good to betray and murder your brother or sister. Mm -hmm. Most people know that, and that's because God has placed that sense of law in our hearts. So it's a common grace. Does that make sense? The law as a restrainer.
0: It's, in a sense, the law of morality that god has placed on every person's heart
1: essentially yeah that he has also put in the bible yes absolutely yeah thou shalt not murder is god's idea people say well i don't need the bible to tell me that it's like well no but that's because god <laughs> that's <laughs> because that's because god told you uh, <laughs> um so and he's made it just very explicit and so anyways uh yes it's, it's exactly that sort of idea okay yeah got it makes yeah. sense now yeah. All right. And then the last function of the law is the law as revealer. Okay. Famous Bible verse time. Psalm... John 3.16. Ooh, no. Psalm 119.105. Your oh, word yep. is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Have we heard that before? I memorized the Bible pops school. In, what pops in your head when you hear that, Quinn? Narnia. Oh, really? Like the lamppost? Yeah. I... I know what you're talking about. I just never thought of that before. That's very interesting. Okay. Yeah, totally. Um, Sorry. What were you going for? No, 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 no. That's, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many times, Quinn, do you hear or think, I don't know what God wants me to do in this situation? I wish I could know God's will for my life. Sometimes I don't know if what I want to do is me or what God wants me to do. How do I know what God wants me to do in this situation? It's almost like I've, Ask that question. Uh, haven't we all asked times? that question? Haven't we all asked that question at school? So I, I'm in a class right now called Intro to Christian Theology. And part of that is that there's this kind of online discussion forum that we're part of. People post questions and then anybody can kind of offer their answer or opinion on it. Uh, you can imagine what that might lead to in a, in a group of first year Bible college students. But the other day, one person posted a question, how do I know God's will for my life? And she kind of just expounded, like, I don't know how to tell the difference between what I want and what God wants. How do I even know what God wants me to do ever? That's a good question. That's an important question to 100%. ask. percent. We're not discrediting the question. Absolutely not. It's a good question. Um, the reason I laugh is because obviously that's what we've been talking about this the whole episode, because mm-hmm. you read Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The law reveals God's will. It shows us what God wants, okay? There's this passage in Galatians, it's quoted a lot. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Mm -hmm. Yippee, we don't have to follow that law anymore. That was a curse. The law doesn't make me feel good. Now God only wants me to feel good all the time because I'm not under the curse of the law anymore, right? Yeah. No. (sighs) No. Redeemed from the curse of the law means that we're no under the, I mean, if, if you read Deuteronomy, you'd know what that's talking about, right? All the, cur- like literally a huge section of the book is saying, these are all the horrible things that are going to happen to you if you don't keep this. Mm-hmm. That's the curse of the law. We're free from that because, because and we talked about this earlier, because Christ has already fulfilled that covenant perfectly and has applied it to us. That's mm-hmm. amazing and beautiful. That's what it means. It doesn't mean the law doesn't matter for us anymore. Holy smokes. The real curse would be if we didn't have the law anymore. Because the law shows us what God wants. Mm -hmm. The law teaches us what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live. There's this passage from Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Uh, He gives us, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, which you were talking about. It's terrifying. It's one of the scariest passages. There's a few really scary passages in the Bible. This is one of the scariest. He says, not everyone who 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 says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. But, here's a contrast, note the contrast, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He says this, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I declare to them, listen how he describes them. Then I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Mm -hmm. Like the way we know God's will, but the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven. This is why it's important what we talked about earlier about how the law is an extension of God and Mm -hmm. his character and his will, because the way we know God's will is by looking at the Bible it tells us right yes do we have to apply that specific situations yes but it teaches us everything we need to know to apply it to those situations okay like very much across the board it's 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 hard to find a situation where god's law doesn't have something to say about it morally yeah, yeah.
0: and i i think um i think sometimes we can look at the law and be like it's just it just gives us the abc that's all. Just like it tells us what to do in this situation, this situation, this situation, but not this situation. Right. But actually it gives us the A to Z. Yes, it's absolutely. Like it, sure, it might not tell you what to do with all your financial situations. Oh, yeah. Right? But there is stuff in there about how to use your money well. Oh, it teaches you. Right? Much, yeah. Also, we have an episode, How Do I Know God's Will for My Life? Nice. <laughs> so if you are wondering that, you can also go look at... Listen. To that was a good episode. Love.
1: I enjoyed that one. Yeah, that one. Was we fun. talked a lot about Romans one to two because that's you know uh, mm-hmm. by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve God's will. Guess how your mind is renewed? The law and reflecting on it as we were talking about today. Anyways, you're right. Go go listen to that episode. Yeah. Um. Anyways, do you have more thoughts there? I don't. Yeah. Here's here's here's, here's one of the famous questions. You know the bracelet WWJD? Mm-hmm. What would Jesus do? That's something we ask, right? Because like, we know like, we're supposed to imitate Christ, right? We're supposed to walk like Jesus walked. Um, we're supposed to love what Jesus loved. Do you know what Jesus loved more than anything in his whole life? God's law. Because that's, who God, because that's who God is, right? Not the law for law's sake, not the law for the sake of rules, but law for the sake of that's God's character. Mm. And yep. Jesus loved God. Because he's God centered, because God is God centered. Surprise, God is not human centered. God loves God more than anything in the whole universe. We can talk about that sometime if we want to, if people don't like that. Jesus said, My will is, oh, so my uh, food is to do the will of him who sent me. If we want to love the way Jesus loved, if we want to walk the way Jesus walked, if we want to live the way he lived and live for him, the law is the key to doing that. It shows us how to do that. Jesus, I have not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to bring it to a new fruition. You think you think you've kept the the fourth commandment because you don't? Or fifth commandment? I can't remember because you don't murder. Guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what that really means. I'm gonna show you the deeper dimensions of that Mm -hmm. because the law is not just for the case of do I like sledgehammer that person in the head or not it's how do I treat my brother and sister how do I speak every day Mm -hmm. like Jesus says, the law is not just for these tiny like you're saying it's not just for these pocket situations it's for all of everyday life and we need it for that because if we don't walk in the law every moment of our day we're not walking in the character of God all the time Mm -hmm. okay Sproul asks this good question um, in his book that I want to ask, and then I think we've been saying so much about the law and how we need it that I think we should have a conversation about legalism, which might be a good idea. Okay, Sproul asks this question, right? So he kind of talks about, he's talking about Jesus. He says, for Jesus, obeying God was his life. It was his meat and his drink. Zeal for his father's house consumed him. Then he asks this question that blew me away. So why would he delight in those who despise the things that he loves? If we hate God's law, if we walk contrary to God's law, if we think it doesn't matter, we're saying that what Jesus loved doesn't matter to us. That's, just some, that's something really important to think about. Hmm. Okay, legalism. Quinn? There's all this talk about God's law and law and law and law. Chase and Quinn, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. What are you guys talking about? This this is just going to lead to legalism and people being despairing and sad and upset. Just this is just we just can't talk about the law this much or just legalism is going to run rampant. Legalism is a good word and an important word and a useful word. However, As far as I've noticed in a lot of Christian communities I've been in, which is not very many, but just just by necessity, there's so many in the world, I can't be in that many of them. It's very much misused too, right? I've noticed from some people, not all people, that any concern for the law of God, especially when you start using the word law, immediately the word well, we don't want to be legalists. You shouldn't get drunk. Oh, well, that's a bit legalistic. <laughs> you know, it's it, it is wrong for you and sinful for you to speak to somebody that way. Whoa, what? Jesus said, "Don't judge." That's a little bit legalistic of you. Hey, I don't think you should have murdered that person. Whoa, now hold on. <laughs> that sounds like legalism to me, sonny. Uh, what are you talking about here? Don't you know the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, son? What you, What's going on here? You know? Do you know what I'm talking about, though?
0: I know what you're talking about.
1: Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. We should live our life by the law, but if we exclude the relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus mm-hmm. and living our, our life fully centered on Jesus, if we exclude that and we just live our life saying, this is the law, this is all I need to follow, I'm going to get to heaven by the law, Yeah, that's not going to do it. Yeah, But if we say, I want to live by the law, because I love Jesus, and this is what how he lived, yeah. and this is how I want to live, and Jesus died so that I could live with him, mm-hmm. and I want this grace, you have to live a way that is honoring to God, which is the Ten Commandments.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Can I can I give two dimensions of legalism? Um, totally. And then that that kind of shows how people misuse it. I think there's two definitions of legalism. One legalism. What are you talking about there? Legalism is thinking that we can earn God's love or salvation by keeping the law. Okay, that's not true. That's not how that works. God loves you because you're in Christ and Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm. Paul says in Romans eight. He who did not spare his own son for us, how will he not also freely give us all things? Because Christ has been sacrificed for you and you've been redeemed in him, that's your basis. That's the basis on which God loves you. That's way better, way better news because that basis Mm -hmm. is unshakable. That's once for all done. The law of God and keeping it will never earn you salvation or more of God's love. It's not going to make him love you more. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Second, legalism is trying to enforce on other Christians things the Bible doesn't teach. I don't actually believe this, but I'm just using this as an example because this is a very common thing. I don't believe that you should play basketball or any sports on Sabbath. That's okay. That is a good conviction to have. And you should keep that if you've been convicted of that. But the moment you try to force that onto other people, that's legalism because the Bible doesn't prohibit that. Yes, it says that you should keep the Sabbath holy and we can have a conversation about what that looks like, but it does not prohibit playing sports on the Sabbath. Question then.
0: Yeah. This is this is just something because I know this is a hot topic in families. Sure. If a parents mm-hmm. Think that that's their conviction. We don't want our kids playing sports on Sundays. Yeah. Would you say it is right for them to say that to their kids as well? This yes. is our family rule. That's
1: different. That's okay. Because there's a parental authority which the Bible teaches, but I mean more general in the community, right? If like you, totally. you're playing basketball with your brothers and your neighbor comes over and says, "Hey, it's Sunday. You guys, need, you boys, need to go back inside." It's like, well, you know, that's your conviction, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, tat- I mean, tattoos is a really easy example right because uh, a lot of us, a lot of Christians have a conviction against that a lot of Christians also have tattoos and we shouldn't be judgmental at each other about that uh, we can have reasons for believing what we believe but it's uh, the Bible does not prohibit Christians from having tattoos. And That's ridiculous.
0: Same with alcohol. A lot of Christians yes. will say drinking is bad.
1: They Absolutely. say it's a sin if you drink. Yeah. And others, Which like, is a problem because then Jesus sinned and then your whole salvation is in jeopardy <laughs> because <laughs> your salvation is on the basis that, <laughs> that he was sinless. So might want to think through that one properly. So. Drunk, so and the, a lot of this comes from wisdom principles, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't enforce things that we see as wise necessarily as mandatory. That so that's legalism, mm-hmm. right? So I, we can use it in those two senses. However, you, let's, let's say you do get drunk one time. Now, th- th- and there's so many ways to approach somebody who is in sin, well, and with grace, and we're not right? good at it usually. So, and we we can fail at that, right? But. Just because somebody calls something that is sinful, sinful, when we say sin is sin, that is called legalism. So often you see somebody acting in anger towards somebody else. You go to them and say, hey, you shouldn't do that. Whoa, that's a little legalistic. We tell kids and and youth, I see this so often in, in youth group, right? Because that, that's where a lot of our work is. Mm-hmm. When you try to tell kids and youth, like, we're so, we're, this, this is what it is. We're so afraid of telling people that they should do something or that God's law says not to do something because we're afraid of being legalists, right? Yeah. Legalism is not following God's law. Following God's law is being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. Being a, somebody who loves God is somebody who follows God's law, going beyond God's law or looking to it as the basis of salvation is legalism, but following it is just being a follower of God. How could you follow God? <laughs> How can you follow God and not follow his law? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Totally. Right. Like, so I, I think, I just think we need to be less afraid of standing for the law, standing firm on it and it being a rule of life for us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay last last minute thoughts here. What is something you want people to walk away with from this? We need the law more than we
0: think. Right. We need the law more than ever. And I think coming into this episode, some people might have been like, oh, what are they going to say? Mm-hmm. But now coming out of this episode, I think I want people to know that We should follow the law because it's an extension of who god is and if an if it's an extension of who god is that means we have we should follow it because it means we're following and loving him
1: absolutely i would just want to really look at because i've i've been in this place myself like where you i'm a believer so i'm just gonna live my life as best as i can and there's not a lot of concern for god's law i would echo what you said quinn if you claim to love jesus you will love his commandments if you claim to love god you will love his commandments go look at the uh, pick up pick up rc sproul how does god's law apply to me he goes through every one of the 10 commandments and says this is how it applies for us today it is excellent he also goes through a lot of the stuff we talked about in the first few chapters it's very very good it's very short pick that up we'll be back next week to finish off our gospel talk series looking at the great commission so anyways hope you guys have a good week